Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So we'll be continuing with this series on discourses by the Buddha from the Pali Canon, the Sutta series. And I want to talk tonight about um, the discourse where the Buddha gives different strategies for working with distracting thoughts. This is called the Vitaka Santana Sutta. Sounds very impressive, doesn't it? Vitaka Santana Sutta. Uh, which is uh, number 20 in the collection of the middle-length discourses, 152 of them. This is number 20. It's called also, in English, the translation is The Removal of Distracting Thoughts. And as I was thinking about sharing about this teaching, I was um, remembering back when I first uh, was exposed to the teachings. And I was so, so excited and um, inspired by the power of mindfulness. As you've heard me say, a famous line by the Buddha, there is one most direct way. Sometimes uh, Thich Nhat Hanh translates says, there is one most wonderful way to overcome sorrow, lamentation, end pain and anxiety, grief and despair, and realize the highest happiness. And that way is the establishment of mindfulness. And it made... Not only did it make sense to me, but in my own experience, I was seeing for myself, particularly as I started doing retreats, just the power of this capacity to be present for your experience. And it seemed to me that it was the answer for everything. And in fact, I told as many people as I could, this is the answer. You just have to be mindful. You just have to be mindful. And I kind of like would go running down the street saying, you just have to be mindful. You just have to be mindful. Because I was so excited. And people would kind of give me their space and... Yeah, okay, just give this guy a little bit of room. Uh, It took me a while before I uh, gave a little softer sell to mindfulness. But what I didn't realize was that uh, it's not always the answer. That sometimes it's easier said than done to just be mindful. When you are triggered 
and get stimulated, activated, so that emotions sweep through you. It's not so easy to just be mindful. It's not so easy to say, oh, okay, rage, rage, rage. Oh, that's what's happening. Or meltdown, meltdown, meltdown. Because we get lost in these, um, in the activation, as, as Paul Ekman talks about uh, a refractory period. I think I mentioned this in the last few weeks. I'm not sure I shared it someplace. Um, where when you're out of your mind, when you literally are out of your mind, you're out of your right mind. And in that space, you can do all kinds of crazy things. And people do all kinds of crazy things. And afterwards, when they come to their senses, they can be thinking, or the thought occurs, what was I thinking? How could I have done that? How could I have said that you know, in the light of day? Has anybody ever had that experience? <laughs> it's so interesting, isn't it, how... When you get a little bit of space and you see clearly, oh, no, I don't think that's the right route to go. But while you're in it, you could get so lost in it. And that refractory period, what Paul Ekman describes, is that period between the moment you're activated and the moment that you kind of come back to your senses. And that while you're in the middle of it, there's not that much you can do unless you've done some training or you have some tools how to work with it. Uh, but mindfulness, one of the gifts of mindfulness is it shortens the refractory period. This has been shown, this is one of the, the main um, powers that uh, a lot of the neuroscience has pointed to that you are less and less apt to lose it in a way that you later regret. Or if you do lose it, you lose it for a shorter amount of time so that maybe there's a little bit of uh, a chance that you're, you're not going to get so swept up that you, uh, that you act very unskillfully. As I've said many times, if you press the right button... I could be back in third grade, you know, judgment, paranoia, insecurity, or whatever. Those thoughts can arise. But what's very different now than when I started this going on 40 years in a, little, in a, in a few months is that I don't get lost for that long. It's like, ah! oh, freaking out, aren't we? Okay. <laughs> That's very different than losing it for a week or a few days or even an hour. Or it's, there's, there's a kind of homing device. Okay. Um, when you get activated, 
even if you know, oh, this is not going to be so good, and you try to bring mindfulness to it, you can have enough space that you get that you're mindful, oh, I'm really losing it now. Okay, That's, first of all, that's way ahead of the game than most people. Just to know, I am really losing it now. But even then, you can still be losing it. You can... You ever have that experience where you know you're losing it, you see yourself losing it? it can, that can be even more humbling than being completely out of your mind. Like, oh my God, I know I'm out of my mind, but I'm still freaking out here. Right? At those times, the mindfulness gives enough space so that you're perhaps, hopefully, not going to do something really stupid, but you can still be quite activated. And even if you know, wow, I am really struggling here, I'm really in pain here, you can't just name it and uh, mindful it away. And that's where this discourse the Vitaka Santana Sutta, the, re, the discourse on removing distracting thoughts, has been so helpful for me. Because what it is, is five different strategies that the Buddha gives other than mindfulness when we get lost in our thoughts. And it's important to see that mindfulness isn't always the only way, the, or as one, one teacher calls it, the onlyest way. You know? Sometimes we can get very caught in my tradition, my kind of meditation, my, my spiritual tradition is the only or onlyest way, and yours isn't. But there are quite a few different strategies. In fact, the Buddha was talked of as um, uh, the master of skillful means. That's one of the one of the gifts of the Buddha. That, depending upon who he was talking to, he could sense the best way to get into their heart mind and see their temperament and what they could understand and what would be useful strategy to wake up. The, he had the gift, the power, the siddhi, or idi in, in, uh, in Pali, of skillful means. And it's, it's said that uh, there are 84,000 dharma doors. You know, that's just a number that means a lot that he would, could offer to different people. And this discourse, five particular ones. So I wanted to share them with you. And uh, there are some really great images. He starts out by saying, and this took place in uh, Anattapindaka's 
Park in the Jetta Grove in Savati. Uh, Bhikkhus, he said, yes, venerable sir. Mm. When one is pursuing the higher mind, and by higher mind, he's actually talking about when you're trying to get the mind concentrated. Mm. That's literally what this discourse was about. Um, But it can be applied whether or not you're trying to get concentrated. You're just trying to live in the world. Um, From time to time, one should give attention to five different things. Mm -hmm. And here he's saying, when a practitioner um, has arises in, in in this practitioner unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, with hate, with delusion, those are the big three, greed, hatred, delusion, or also attachment, diversion, ignorance, same thing, or confusion. When you get caught up in unwholesome thoughts connected with one of those three, the first thing that you should give attention to, some other sign or reflection connected with what is wholesome. Okay. So there you are in the middle of your, quote, unwholesome thought. It's also, they use the word evil unwholesome thoughts. And by, by unwholesome, meaning thoughts that are, um, that are bound in suffering, that contract the mind and that lead to more suffering. Then if you're caught in them, one strategy is to turn your attention to wholesome thoughts. And I'll read the refrain that he says for each of the five in this first one. When one gives attention to some other sign or train of thought connected with what is wholesome, then any unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, hate, and delusion are abandoned in that person and subside. With the abandoning of them, the mind becomes steadied internally, quieted, brought to singleness, and concentrated. And here's the um, simile that he gives for this first one. He gives a simile for each. Just as a carpenter or his apprentice might knock out, remove, and extract a coarse peg by means of a fine one, so too when a practitioner gives attention to some other sign or train of thought connected with what is wholesome, the mind becomes steadied, internally quieted, brought to singleness, and concentrated. So, and knocking out one peg with another, okay? Knocking out the unwholesome thought with a wholesome thought. So, what does that mean? These, this is the, the strategy of finding antidotes for whatever you happen to be stuck in. For instance, and probably some of you uh, can, can come up with your own um, answers for this. Okay, suppose you're having a lot of anger. What might be an antidote, besides just saying, oh, here's anger, what might be a wholesome thought to replace 
the unwholesome one. Anyone? Yeah. Use use metta, loving kindness, as the antidote to anger. Now, it's a, it could be a little bit advanced loving kindness if you're really ticked off at somebody and send metta to them. If you can, that's fabulous. But if you can't quite reach it with that person, even thinking of somebody who you do have a lot of love for. Say you're, you're just reflecting, oh yeah, oh my dear friend or my child or my dog or wh- whatever. Oh yeah, it just kind of chills you out a bit. So metta, loving kindness, good antidote for anger. Suppose you have a lot of doubt what might be a wholesome thought to replace it with. Anyone? Yeah. Faith. Yeah. You might think of somebody who inspires you or somebody who believes in you. Somebody who uh, you... You've seen go through difficult circumstances and they've done it and, and you can see that possibility. Or maybe even looking back on your own life and seeing, wow, I've gotten through things like this before. Maybe I'll get through it again this time. Whatever gives you some faith gives a little bit of space and can hold that doubt. Okay, Suppose you have a lot of mm, desire. Mm, for instance, uh, you really want... Mm, well, you can fill in the blank of what, of what you want. Okay, I'll just leave it up to you. Uh, what might be a reflection that would be a wholesome replacement for thinking I know this is going to do it for me I just know once I get this I'm really going to be happy Ah. any thought of what reflection might balance that out letting go excellent okay but how do you get to letting go I know it's going to make me really happy. Impermanence. Impermanence. Beautiful, Matt. If you can think, oh, how many times have I had that thought before? I know this is going to do it for me, and it didn't quite. Ever have that experience? Your whole life. Right? So to just realize, oh, it's going to feel good in the short run, but it's not going to give me lasting happiness. Okay, so you get the idea, and there's antidotes for, for, all, of, for all of the hindrances and for any, any state that, um, that you're stuck in. There are many antidotes. One of the main ones for feeling uh, like you're stuck and maybe getting into a woe-is-me attitude. Um, 
any, any thought that can open up the heart and open up the space. A good antidote for that. For why is this happening to me? Always, things always work, just you know, don't seem to work out for me and, and poor me. Any reflection? Give it space and include other people. Okay, you're not alone. Okay, somebody else who hasn't. Yes. Gratitude. One of the most powerful ways to get some space. Oh yeah, this is a hard one. As you probably have seen, if, if you've seen my, my mom on the YouTube video, it's now up to a quarter of a million views, by the way. If you go to Confessions of a Jewish Mother, you'll see it there. Her basic practice, yeah. Oh, this is so bad. And my life is very blessed. And my life is very blessed. So that's the idea with this very first one. Really good strategy. When the mindfulness isn't strong enough. Okay. However, it's not foolproof. So he goes on to the second If while giving attention to some other sign connected with what is wholesome, there still arise unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, hatred, delusion, then one should examine the danger in those thoughts thus. And this is where he says, you might reflect to yourself like this. These thoughts are unwholesome. And then I, I, I'll just read to you a little bit of this and you can take the translation for what it's worth. These thoughts are unwholesome. They are reprehensible. Mm-hmm. They result in suffering. Now you've got to be really careful with they are reprehensible because it's a slippery slope to I'm such a bad person for having them. But really it's these thoughts are thoughts that result in suffering. And if you don't want to suffer, he says, just see where you're heading. And when you examine the danger in those thoughts, then eventually they subside and the mind becomes quieter and quieter. And here's the the simile. Just as a man or a woman, young youthful and fond of ornaments would be horrified, humiliated, and disgusted if the carcass of a snake or a dog or a human being were hung around his or her neck. Gets pretty graphic. So too, when a practitioner examines the danger in those thoughts and sees... This is just leading to suffering. They're abandoned and the mind becomes quieter. Okay, what does that mean? We all uh, probably have had a variation of this, uh, this strategy. And with all of these, actually, they might not be new to you, but it's important to see that the Buddha is recommending this. Uh, and that you can actively employ them as skillful means. 
upaya, skillful means. Have you ever had the thought arise in your mind that triggers off you're about to go on the whole thought train that you've been on 50 million times before and you say, do I want to go there? Or in the colloquial language, don't even go there. You ever have that? You say, say that to yourself, let's not go there. You might think, oh, well, that seems like denial, or that seems like putting your head in the, stand, in the sand. He's saying, no, this is skillful means. You don't have to go with every thought that comes through your head. Heaven forbid, if you did, you'd be very, very busy because there's so many thoughts that go through your head. But to see, do I really want to go there? And to give yourself the alternative, you know, who wants to hang a carcass of a a snake or a dog around your head? It's like, ooh, it's so interesting how seductive the thoughts are. That's, That's the... The thing to really appreciate how slippery the mind is. Maybe if I get into it again, I'll come up with the answer. After you've done it 50 million times, unlikely. And particularly, um, as as, uh, I I quote this study that um, uh, Danny Goleman has in emotional intelligence that shows that the mind that is caught in negativity, particularly, say, a mind caught in worry is the one that he uses, is very unlikely to come up with skillful solutions because the contraction in the middle of that state doesn't lead to seeing things in a new way. And the same can be said not only about worry, but about fear, about guilt, about longing, obsession. When the mind is very, very contracted, it's incredibly hard to see the forest for the trees. So to see, "Mm, I don't think I need to go here again. I know where it's headed. Very powerful. Uh, huh. On on one retreat, I uh, this is this is many many years ago um, before I met my wife of thirty two years now thirty four we've been together. Uh, I uh, I had a very common syndrome on retreats of vipassana romance, where in retreat somebody is about to. Just, just catches your eye, and you get into a whole story obsession, and, uh, and it was really bad. This is on a three-month retreat, um, <laughs> and this person was sitting just across the way from me. You know, I was sure that she was the love of my life, and who you know I, you know, I was meant to be with. Uh, but after a while, I, I realized I wasn't so sure about it, but I was still obsessed. 
And finally, at some point, I decided, this is, I'm spending my three-month retreat just obsessing about this person. This is crazy, right? Uh, it turned out to be, by the way, one of the, the most powerful retreat for me. So some good came out of it. And, um, but I decided I need to just go in, in my room and, uh, and, not, and just stay away from the hall for a little while. <clears throat> just to kind of chill out, because I didn't want to get stimulated. I had to work through this. And I'd sit in, I sat there in the room and be fairly uh, at ease and peace. You know, I was getting into, I was really getting into the practice too. Um, and I just didn't want that as a distraction. Um, that was the, in the better moments. In the other, other moments, I just didn't want to get so caught up in the obsession. But I'd be sitting there, and then all of a sudden, I could feel from left field the thought of this person, and it was like a bucking bronco, you know. And I was, I was just naming it, <sighs> desire, 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 desire. Desire, 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 desire. And I could feel it come like a wave. But each time I used the, the, uh, the, the, the mental noting to keep from going there because I realized I just didn't want to go there. But I could feel the, the whole visceral feeling there. And what happened, it was really great. It was, uh, it was, it was such a powerful teaching for me. Desire, desire, and would come on desire, 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 desire. And I kept on naming it because I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to have that carcass hanging around my, my neck. And after a while, it was then oh, desire, 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 desire. It, it was a wave. The refractory period was about like, you know, seven or eight minutes or so, which is a pretty long time to not jump on the train. But after a while, it just became boring. It was like, oh, all right already. Desire, 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 desire. Desire, okay. Rode that wave. And it was, there was a part of me that said, I don't want to go there. And the mindfulness kept it at bay enough while my whole biochemical system was activated and then uh, it was like, uh, you know, um, Ulysses or Odysseus, you know, the, the Odyssey where he goes by the sirens and he says, tie me to the mast because I know I'm going to want to get off. And don't believe what I say when I say, let me go. I'm your captain. Don't listen to me. That's it. And they say, okay. And then he, the sirens come or he goes by the, the, the land of the sirens, and he's going crazy, and he says, I'm your captain, let me go. I was just, don't pay attention, that was not the right order. Sorry. And then finally, the siren, the, the boat goes by, out of the grasp of that grip. Ah, thank you for not untying me from the mast. Mm-hmm. You might just try it. <laughs> and if you can, whether it's on the cushion 
or in your daily life, just know if you can get a little bit of space to say, do I really want to go here? (sighs) Wow. Okay, and that leads to the third strategy because, as he says, it doesn't always work. So the third one, if while examining the danger in those thoughts, there still arise these unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, hatred, delusion, then one should try to forget those thoughts and should not give attention to them. When trying to forget them and not giving them attention, they, after a while, are abandoned and subside. With the abandoning, becomes the mind becomes quiet. And here's the simile. Just as a man with good eyes who did not want to see forms that had come within range of sight would either shut his eyes or look away, so too when a practitioner tries to forget these thoughts and not give attention to them, the mind becomes steadied, internally quieted, brought to singleness and concentrated. Okay, so what does that mean? It's a kind of variation or follow-up to that second one. The second one is, don't go there. This third one is what is commonly translated as forgetfulness and inattention. This is the Buddha talking. Forgetfulness and inattention. The guy who says, pay attention, that's the answer. It's not always the answer. He says, if you are focusing on something that you're getting caught in, don't, not only don't go there, but turn your awareness to something else that's happening right now. Become interested in something else. So, for instance, if you're having an ache in your shoulder when you're meditating, if you keep on focusing on that ache, it's going to be um, probably more and more predominant and there can easily be more and more a reaction of frustration, aversion, fear, anxiety. You don't have to stay with the unpleasant if the mind can't be balanced with it. If it can be balanced and you notice, oh, here's contraction, or here's burning, or here's uh, intense, unpleasant sensation. It's possible to be balanced and interested, and you can get very concentrated and focused on that. But when the mind starts getting to be going into a struggle, then uh, as the, the saying, the, the words in the, the teachings are, the mind gets withered and fatigued. And when it gets withered and fatigued, it gets confused and lost. So he says, turn your attention elsewhere. Notice, for instance, sounds. Just turn your attention to sounds and listen, become interested in that. Pay attention to the breath. 
notice uh, parts of your body that are not hurting. So that's on the physical level. If you are lost in a particular distracting thought, like fear or confusion, turn your attention elsewhere to something that's actually happening right now. For instance, feeling your feet, feeling your body, feeling your hands, just getting grounded, looking around the room, and just seeing, oh yeah, here I am around in this room, and there's the, the picture on the wall, there's a chair, and that just kind of takes a break from the activation in your mind, in your brain, and it actually moves you to the, neuro, the neurocortex, uh, uh, neocortex, I mean, in your brain, and, and moves you away from that activation. Now, you might be think, thinking, what's the difference between this and the first one? The first one is using a different kind of reflection, like thinking of something uh, that gives you faith when you have doubt or reflecting on impermanence when you have desire. This is turning your attention to something that's actually happening right now. And as they say, say in somatic experiencing, which is a beautiful, great modality for trauma, becoming resourced, finding your resource so you are not swept up and get grounded. Oh yeah, this is... It's like, come on back, come on back to planet Earth. And forgetfulness and inattention is not only not cheating, it's skillful means. Okay, with me on that? Okay, so let me move on to the other two. Might not always work. On to the next If while trying to forget those thoughts and not giving attention to them, there still arise unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, hatred, delusion, then one should give attention to stilling the thought formation of those thoughts. And when doing that, they subside and the mind becomes concentrated. And here's the metaphor. Just as a person walking fast might consider, why am I walking fast? What if I walk slowly? And he would walk slowly. Then he might consider, why am I walking slowly? What if I stand? And he would stand. Then he might consider, why am I standing? What if I sit? And he would sit. Then he might consider, why am I sitting? What if I lie down? And he would lie down. It's getting better and better, isn't it? (laughs) By doing so, he would substitute for each grosser posture one that was subtler. So too, when one gives attention to stilling the thought formation of those thoughts, 
the mind becomes steadied, internally quieted, brought to singleness and concentrated. What does that mean? There's two ways to interpret this strategy. One is the obvious level. If you're getting stirred up, chill out. Just relax. Give yourself some space. Just whatever you need to do, lighten up, as the, the great Eagles Jackson Brown song that I once had stuck in my head, gratefully, on one three-month retreat. <laughs> Take it easy. Lighten up while you still can. Don't even try to understand. You know, Lighten up. If you can remember to lighten up, it creates some space in the mind. And when you have space, then you can see things a bit more clearly. So that's one. Whatever gives you space. Um, Let me ask, what gives you space when you're really feeling tight inside? Anyone? The breath, okay. Taking nice deep breaths, great, that gives you space. What else? What's that? Getting out in nature, one of the best of all. Literally giving yourself space to see. Yes, Walter. Music, beautiful. You put on a whole different track, you know, and sometimes it might be. You know, something very, very soft. For me, one little trick I have when I'm really feeling tight is early Bob Dylan and singing along with him and just kind of getting it out of me, you know. How does it feel? You know, (laughs) how does it feel? Yeah, just kind of singing it out, you know. That gives me space. But also very soft music or lightning or uh, opening, uplifting music. Lots of different ways to get space. This is really helpful. This is really skillful. Another way to interpret this is besides just chilling out, stilling the thought formations can also mean um, seeing where those thoughts are coming from and that might, it might be a little bit more of a reflection. And there's a few different ways to do this. For instance, um, you might realize that something got triggered in you that was like when you were a little kid and your mom or dad said things in, in that way. And, oh, that's where it comes from. I just got activated there. Or... Feeling the feeling, stilling, uh, seeing that the thoughts are, are springing from this feeling that got activated. Maybe your body is hurting, or maybe you're tired and fatigued, and seeing the source of those thoughts. Or just to see those thoughts really arising out of nowhere and disappearing into nowhere. These are all seeing the root of those thoughts 
coming out of emptiness and returning to emptiness. If, if that seems a little bit complex or uh, uh, doesn't resonate, just giving yourself space is good enough. But sometimes you might reflect, oh, without too much analysis, it's tricky because when you get into, why am I feeling like this? Particularly if you're saying, why am I feeling like this? Then it's very hard to find out. But if it's, you, you get a sense, oh, yeah, this is where it's coming from, that can be helpful. But mostly, remember to give yourself some space. But still might not work. So he has one more last resort. And I read this with caution. If, while, while giving attention to the stilling of the thoughts, the thought formation of those thoughts, there still arise these unwholesome thoughts, then with teeth clenched and tongue pressed against the roof of the mouth, one beats down, constrains, and crushes mind with mind. (laughs) Then these thoughts are abandoned and subside. And with the abandoning, the mind becomes quieted. And here's the metaphor. Just as a strong man might seize a weaker man by the head or shoulders and beat him down, constrain him and crush him, so too, with teeth clenched and tongue pressed against the roof of the mouth, a practitioner beats down, constrains, and crushes mind with mind, and the mind becomes steady, quieted, and concentrated. Now, make sure you're taking the nonviolent course when you do this. What can that possibly mean? First, you have to realize that the Buddha was from the Kshatriya caste, the warrior caste. And a lot of his images have to do with conquering the mind. And you probably have seen this in your own mind, where it can be effective where you get very firm with yourself in a loving way. Tough love, as they say. Mother love. The, the love that as a, their, her child is running out into the street, she says, no, you come back here. Or about to touch a stove. No. In the same way, you can be very firm with your own mind in a loving way. And from what I've seen in my own experience in working with people for many years, if there's any kind of aversion, any kind of mm, judgment, and ill will, this is not 
going to be so helpful because it can so easily lead to beating yourself up. But if you have reached that point in conjunction maybe with one of the other strategies, you say, enough. That's enough. In a very loving way, sometimes it can be helpful. How many people have seen that for themselves when they can just be firm with themselves? Okay, has to be done with a lot of wisdom and love. So those are the five strategies. And then if any one of those does enough to put on the brakes so you can process all of the adrenaline flowing through your your body or the cortisol flowing through your body and give yourself enough space so you don't act while you're in the middle of that refractory period. It, it takes a little while. It takes some time for the cortisol to be absorbed. It shoots out very quickly. Adrenaline and cortisol can get activated in a moment, either flight, fright, or freeze syndrome. But it takes a while for it to be reabsorbed. So while you're in that hyperactivated state, if you see, okay, don't say or do anything that you're going to regret, and just give it time to get reabsorbed, you'll save yourself a, a lot of headaches in the long run. Okay, so that's the, the, the five strategies. One thing that I want you to get from this is there's no one right way. If you can be mindful, great. You might come up with a sixth or a seventh or a ninth strategy that wasn't mentioned. Trust it. Because ultimately, it's whatever works that keeps you from crossing the line from thought and feeling into action and, uh, and speech. More and more, you can trust your own sense of what is going to help you stay on the skillful side of things. This is ultimately your uh, your guide. So before we end, I uh, just want to invite you to reflect maybe sometime when you lose it, when you get activated by a distracting thought. What situation might you find yourself as you're activated in this. No judgment, just seeing how the pattern comes up. We all have our buttons that can easily be pressed. And you have to see it with a lot of compassion and kindness. Because we're all subject to our own conditioning. And imagining being in that situation or getting that 
triggered. In your wisest moments, besides just being mindful, in your wisest moments, what do you do? Maybe one of these, maybe you substitute a healthy reflection or say, no, I don't want to go there or turn to some something else and get grounded or perhaps get some space or very firm with yourself. What do you do? What strategies do you find are really supportive. And from the wisest moments, you might just this week experiment with seeing if you can access more and more that wisdom that's right inside, saying, okay, I'm going to play around with it this week and stay connected to the wisdom inside. Just plant that seed right now. Because the wisdom is right inside of you. Not any one particular cookie cutter response. It's right in there in you and your intention to incline the mind that way is your greatest ally. And from this space, we'll just close with a loving kindness. Just appreciate the fact that you want to become more conscious. You want to wake up and learn more and more to respond skillfully to yourself and to others and send some kind thoughts to yourself. May I stay connected to the wisdom inside. May I stay connected to skillful means that support me and be kind and compassionate when I forget. May I wake up to the truth, the highest truth, and then extending that to all beings in all directions. May all see through their confusion and see things clearly and know the highest happiness and peace. And may our coming here together and sharing the Dharma be of benefit to all beings everywhere. Thank you for your attention. 
Have a really great week. See you next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.